five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new? Welcome to episode zero four two zero of Five in the Eye, Pillarful's weekly news review show. Phil's away this week, so we're joined by an old friend of the show, Olo Alake, and he's now got a new job. He's CEO of the Africa Center, which, amongst many other things, is the home of Pillarful Radio. So, look, before we get going on, on the show proper, I just want to ask Olo about his new job. So, Olu, I've got to ask you up front. I saw you, and it's all over the the, the uh, internet. You have the big statement says about Africa Center says we are open for business. We are bigger, better, and greater than ever before. Big statements. Tell me, what, what, what are your priorities when, when you set you set you can't do all those things at once. What are your priorities in getting things going? Thank you, Michael. And yes, yeah, great to be back. Um, especially um, this week um, with everything else that's going on as well. And um, it's um, a real pleasure um, to be here in the studio. And it's a particular pleasure and privilege to be um, here um, in this new capacity as Chief Exec of the Africa Centre. The Africa Centre has an incredible heritage, you know, in the cultural ecosystem of the United Kingdom and indeed globally. And, you know, when I had the opportunity to join in this um, in this capacity, um, it was it was a I could say it's a no brainer, but it really did still consider um, it still required a lot of consideration as well, because the, um, the center has had a very colorful history, shall we say. And um, a lot of people don't realize, um, one, that the Africa Center is still around, two, that it's moved, um, but it's still active. Um, And the reason, you know, why I'm really excited about the role is because um, of the opportunity for a reset, you know, that we now have. And the statements that I made that it's going to be bigger, better, and bolder, greater than ever, is um, an aspirational reflection of that, you know, that we um, we celebrate 60-year anniversary next year. The Africa Centre has been around for 60 years. It's still around, and that's the message I want to get across to people. And it's going to be you know, building on that heritage of six of the last six decades to um, over the next few years, use that as a platform for future greatness of the organization. It's a great time to be African. It's a great time to be of African descent. And therefore, it's um, going to be a great time to be a part of the Africa Center. And that's the main message I want to get across to people. That's great, Olu. I remember the old Africa Center back in Covent Garden was a thing that I remember it was the place that go you go eat and you go dance, and obviously there's the, the cultural elements there, the, the part of and the African cultural elements again, and the across the continent. But essentially, it was eating, dancing, and talking with old friends. Is that is that one of the things you're going, you're going to bring back or to, to the Africa Centre? Oh yeah, um, certainly. I mean, it's I I describe the Africa Centre as the cultural embassy for Africa and the African diaspora. You know, so in a way, the Africa Center is it's meant to be a home away from home. It's meant to be that place where every single person of African descent can actually find a place and feel comfortable there. And finding a place and feeling comfortable there means it's a place to socialize. It's a place to meet. It's a place to have discussion. It's a safe space, you know, for interaction, for which includes you no know, dealing with some tricky or difficult conversations, you know. So um, the five pillars um, of the organization of, you know, that we focus on, of culture, of entrepreneurship, education, intellectual leadership, and so on, um, the community, is really, really important because they're all interlocking and you'll find everything, you know, you should be finding everything in the activities and events that we put on um, at the center. So yes, there'll be lots of eating. In fact, next week, we're opening a new restaurant um, in the center. It's going to have a really exciting Africa-focused um, menu. Um, we've opened a new bar, um, which is one of the, you know, 
which um, is a real reflection of one of the strands of the entrepreneurial and innovative strands of the organization, because we've got a new young um, um, bartender, well, bar owner now who has set up um, the new bar. He's going to be serving Africa-themed cocktails. Um, all the drinks are being sourced from Africa. So we want to try out South African whiskeys and Kenyan rums. We've got all that there now, you know. So, yeah, and there'll be music. There are some really exciting exhibitions um, coming up, um, including a new Fuji music exhibition. Oh, my goodness. You sound like a great... You sound like a great salesman for the Africa Center. But look, you talked about those your your five pillars. Are they, are they a wish list? You, know, you talk about culture, entrepreneurship, education, etc. Surely you must have priorities in there. This is what we this is what when we have key focus. Because you can't do all of those things at once, can you? Um, well, it depends on how you look at it. So they are pillars of activity. They are not checklists. They're pillars of activity. The Africa Center is at heart a cultural center. So it's a cultural embassy. You know, it's um, a place where African culture finds expression and articulation. That's what we are fundamentally. Um, and so those five things are actually interlocking. Just to, again, use the example I just gave of the of the bar. So there's a young African guy who um, is setting up his first business. He's running a bar from the center. The bar is going to consist not just of an element of African culture, drink and food. It's also going to include music and entertainment and dancing. And we're going to, have, there's a space um, in the building for conversation and exhibitions and so on as well. So that covers all five, you know, um, in just doing the one thing. You invited the community in, you have, you have intellectual discussions with them. You know, it's a place for education, look around the gallery and different exhibitions that will be on. We are encouraging entrepreneurship and innovation to the young person, and we're learning more about African culture. There you go. <laughs> All you've got to help me here. You know, this question of Africa is not a country. It's 54 countries. And how do you five. get that? <laughs> Again, sorry? All five, sometimes 55. Okay. Okay, well, but it's not. It's it, clearly it's not. A, it's not a country. It's many countries. Yeah. It's many tribes, many dialects, many 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 languages, many different people. Some say the most genetically diverse place on the planet. Yeah. So, we're going to bring that diversity, yeah, that unity together. You know that this is there's this entity called Africa, but then maintain the individuality of. Um, let me be. Let me be really hard here. Nigerian jollof versus Ghana jollof. You know, we want, want, want to maintain our various identities. How about you see you, you managing that? Um, it'll be fun. It will be fun. Um, but we do that. We do that every day, you know, in our interaction. Okay, look at where we're based in Southwark. You know, the, the whole of Africa is in Southwark. <laughs> you know, um, they yeah, socialize. Yeah, they yeah. go to school together. They go to mm. work together. They're all together mm. on the bus. They're together, you know, playing football. They're together dancing, you know, going to clubs and so on. You know, so it's just that, um, you know, and... The important thing, and I think one of the key things that I'm acutely conscious of, is that there is a tendency for the focus on Africa to be centered on two or three countries based on size or based on how loud they are, you know, um, and that marginalizes you know, some of the other countries, especially the smaller countries. And one of the, one of the bugbears of mine, for instance, is, you know, um, the fact that we're in the UK, an English-speaking country, means that a lot of the focus on Africa tends to be on the Anglophone countries um, at the expense of the Francophone or the Lusophone-speaking African countries. You know, so we, I really want to, you know, they need to find a home here as well. They're going to have a Lusophone day sometime next month. So check out the website for that, you know, for those, um, for so all my Mozambican brothers and sisters, Cape Verdeans, Angolans, you know, there will be a day for you. And there'll be a day for everyone, you know, at the centre 
but it's for everyone. It's not just, you know, about focusing on one person, one group or one country or one um, tribe um, within Africa. It's Africa is for everyone. And I need to stress that there's a 56th country um, of the African nation as well. And that is our brothers and sisters from CARICOM. You know, as far as I'm concerned, the AU should have recognized CARICOM, um, at least as a, you know, ooh, as... Ooh, interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, you know, um, the... Everyone who's a part of the African diaspora who traces their recent descent to Africa, you know, they're brothers and sisters and they're welcome here and we are for them. Wow, wow. Some big statements there, Oliver. I very much look forward to be perhaps having this conversation in a couple of months, maybe in six months' time, you come back on the show and tell us how things develop. Battered and weary. To see how things develop. That's really good. So, look. I wish you good fortune in that. I'm looking forward to, to being part of it. Hopefully you'll buy me a cocktail at that bar there. Very much, very much looking forward to that. Michael, I owe you one. So, so, so look, let, let's, let's start the show proper. Five in the eye. We're going to kick off the show this week with, uh, with uh, the launch of the social media uh, app from um, Mark Zuckerberg, so-called Threads. The man who gave us Facebook and Instagram now gives us uh, another another social media you know, network in stick that position to uh, Elon Musk, who now owns Twitter, and it seems to be faltering. We look at what are the consequences of that change. Five in the eye. For story number two, the Australian state of Victoria has pulled out of hosting the Games less than three years before the start, citing spiraling costs. Now cities across the Commonwealth are lining up to say no to staging the event. Is this the end of the friendly games? Mm-mm. And for story number three, it's climate change. Is it really happening in Europe, this heat wave? All the major Italian cities on red alert. Um, um, what, what should we be doing about this? Is it, is it going to affect us? Is, is climate change real? I'm hot already. Story number four. Are you Barbie or Oppenheimer? This weekend, two Hollywood blockbusters are released on the same day. Which would we be going to, and why? And for our final story this week, it's it's advice for Hong Kong. It's advice from the Hong Kong Minister of Health to Hong Kongers, who he, who he urges he urges to stare at smokers in a disapproving way to help create a non-smoking, a tobacco-free city. <laughs> <laughs> so we can stop behavior we disapprove of with a stare. Sounds like my mom, really. That's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We're going to kick off this show with um, what, what, what's happening in social media. And the big story has to be the rise of, um, of threads. It's got over 100, and, last time it was 110, 120, 150 million people on it already. And, and this is, a, this is in, in direct competition to Twitter. And Twitter was always a good home for when I say good home, a home for news. You get into, you get the very latest news. You have good debate. But since Elon Musk has taken it over, that's changed. It's gone a bit darker. And for me, the biggest difference is you had a you had this blue tick, so you know people have no not the blue tick, no the blue tweet, the blue the blue little bird. You knew that those people have been approved. He he disrupted that completely, and you could buy you could buy literally buy celebrity. So a lot of nonsense people were make, making posts, looking as though they were important, and they weren't. They were just po- posting often quite salacious and dreadful things. So he really disrupted it, and, and he's, the, the, the revenues are down, the numbers are failing fast on Twitter, and it's failing. But we had a really good Twitter storm, the good Twitter storm last week with the, um, the BBC story about the newscaster who was, who'd been taking these pictures. And... Other other newscasters were were in, were 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 incriminated because people the name wasn't announced. Hugh Edwards' name was not released immediately. It was given later. But in that interim, people started speculating on Twitter, and one well, one person actually gave the name of, of, of Vine, a Vine, and, and 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 that was a classic Twitter thing where you've got this storm of you know we don't know who it is and who is or something's happening, and we're uncertain who it is, but someone breaks it and, and puts the name up there. So it was it was a real Twitter story, and and in some ways, although I thought it had a good ending, 
because the guy who did it owned up. He said, "No, I, I was wrong. It wasn't. It wasn't." Is it Derek Vine, David Vine? It, the Vine, the um, the, the 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 TV commentator. It wasn't. Him. And Vine said, "Going to going to, to donate a thousand pounds to a charity." But do you, do you, for me, that was a classic Twitter thing. But do you think it, it Twitter's finished now? That the future's threads. The first thing um, to say about the emergence of threads is it's the ultimate expression of the of capitalism in the digital space, you know, um, and it proves one point that um, has always been at the heart of of the capitalist system, and that is competition is a good thing, you know. Um, what Musk was doing with Twitter um, was a function of it being a monopoly in the area. Having that large um, social media behemoth at his disposal um, meant that he felt he could behave any way he liked you know, and introduce things, knowing that he's got these X hundred million people who would have no choice but to, you know, but to succumb to his various whims and fancies. Um, and in his bid to increase profitability and monetize the various features and to frankly capitalize on the vanity of many um, Twitter users. You know, he introduced certain things which um, were quite unpalatable. So when threads emerge, I think it's really, really fascinating and it should say a lot to Musk if he has a quiet reflective moment. I somehow doubt that he does. Um, but if he does, I think the rate at which people migrated immediately from Twitter to threads um, demonstrates that there has been a long-standing thirst for people to move away from that platform onto something else, which is not as dark, which is still provides them with that micro-blogging experience, which still protects anonymity, but also protects um, people from the worst excesses of Twitter, abuse, anonymized, um, you know, discrimination and so on, which, um, you know, Musk and co. have not showed any inclination of wanting to do anything about. So um, it may not be the end of Twitter. It certainly should mark a major inflection point for, for Twitter. They should be looking to either consolidate themselves for a certain cater of um, social media users who want to have that dark side experience. And then that suits Zuckerberg and Cole fine because they can be the they can be the 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 rebel side to the dark side to the Darth Vader side of Elon Musk and Co. Um, most the what I'm most looking forward to though um, in all of this is the promised boxing match. Is it wrestling match? Oh, or no. MMA match? You know, I hardly pay for anything on social media. I might reconsider that one. Pay for no. you. Although <laughs> you used, used an interesting word in, in, in your comments there competition. And competition needs promotion. And that, that's all promotion. That, that's these million billionaires. Having promoting themselves, bigging themselves up, and in in the sense that they can buy whatever they like, and they're the buying publicity. Yeah. You know, we come back to, to threads. Threads, I think this is really interesting. Have, have you used it at all? Have you tried it? I've tried it. I haven't actually signed up yet, so I'm yeah. one of the. I'm 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 not an early adopter of technology. I'm an observer. I've been observing it. I'm on it, and, and it, it's much quieter. It's more sedate than Twitter. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's, it's, You're it's missing Twitter, Michael. You're missing no, no, Twitter. No, no, no. no in, 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 in the art field, it's very good because you, you know you get we are we are art historians. We're quite polite with each other. There's no no yeah. art. But then when you go to the political side, where well, you do get the, the cut and thrust, I, I don't get any sense of that there. It's not there yet. Yes. Because what, what, what Musk did, he, he let that cut and thrust go too far. 
you know, in terms of the misogyny, the racism that comes from it, you know, the per, you know, the personal attack, you know, what, what, what's that glib expression? It's the politics, not the people, you know, for him, these people, they, always, they always attack the person. And so you get, you get, you sense, you get a lot of that on Twitter. And, and I don't think it's happened on, um, on, on, on um, threads yet. What's interesting though, it's interesting in terms of, you've got these two billionaires, and they create, and they can create the world as they see it. They, they they have the money to do it. And Zuckerberg went through. You know, with Facebook, got some bad press. Where, what what he did, or how how he helped Trump Trump win in twenty sixteen, through, through through letting certain people on, and, and the way he managed the Facebook, and how he knew that it was it was it was not good for children, but he didn't say anything. So he's got he's got a bit of a bad rap. But some ways, Twitter could be so. Threads could be is is redemption, mm. in the sense it's creating something quite a nice environment. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not one for all these weirdos, these 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 antisocial, these misfits, these disaffected people who just they want to troll everybody. Mm. So you you got to believe, and this is what I believe. There's an opportunity for threads. Let me believing in, in the goodness of mankind. It's not necessarily about the goodness of mankind, though. It's actually the it's it's does it sell? No, these are ultimately ultimately these are businessmen, you know. And what Zuckerberg is going to be closely looking at is is he able to is it is this a commercially viable alternative that he has created? Is being nice good for business? In this particular instance, that's a good point. That's a good point because he has said, and I think the cricket figure was a billion. He will because he's got two billion on Facebook. He said mm. he will not advertise until he gets a billion subscribers. So, and there's a man who's he's got Instagram, he's got WhatsApp, and he's got Facebook. He's sitting on the top of the pile of uh, social media, so he can sit there and be play the holier than that and wait for it to grow. Yeah, and she's got the platforms, you know, the fact that there is automatic integration of threads to Instagram um, and ultimately to Facebook as well means that that is a lot of power, you know, very much so. very, one person. Very much. And there's this talk of federation where they bring in the other, the other, the, the smaller ones like Mastodon and there's another, another smaller uh, social media platforms. They would integrate into it. So he could play, you know, there's an opportunity for, for um, Zuckerberg to, to create a, 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 a whole new multiverse of, of, of um, microblogging sites. But we shall see. It'd be interesting again. I'm interested. You, you, you're going to get on it now, aren't you? You're going to try. I am. Yeah, I'm signing up as soon as we finish speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak to you and one millionth person. Let me push them and what about the Africa Center? Is that going to be on the. Oh, it should be. It should be. It's not yet, but it should be. Um, okay, it will so, be. I, okay, I, 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 for one, will follow you. And we will come back again. This, I'm making notes here, Aldo. In six months' time, we'll be checking how you got an Africa Center, your Twitter, your, I'm doing like your threads count. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're we're we're, 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 we're going to move on to story number two this week. In the eye. Well, story number two, the Australian state of Victoria was pulled out of hosting the Games less than three years before the start. Yeah. Citing spiralling costs, yes. No. Exactly, exactly. And the fact that the, the Commonwealth Games was always the kind of the, um, the, the friendly games. And it was put on, it, it always seemed to be a, a, a smaller version, a much smaller version of the Olympics. And it seems really sad that the Australians, or the, the state of Victoria, they decide to pull out. But, but when you look at the figures, they're extraordinary. You know, the, the, the original budget, budget budget was was about $2.6 million. US dollars. That's one point something yeah, US, US dollars. But, it, it, but, but it, it, it went up to, what was the figure? I wrote it down here. It went up from $400 million to almost $6 billion. Almost $6 or $7 billion. It went up almost three times. Three times. Now, the, the, what, what, what I can understand is how can it just multiply like that? It's just extraordinary. These games, they get out of hand. 
isn't it? Okay, the games haven't even started. They haven't started to build these things, but they've said no, we're not going to do it. Which, which, which contrasts with um, Birmingham, who had the games and they they actually made it even. They made they made the even. It was like eight hundred seventy million, eight hundred seventy million pounds. Which Adam, what eight hundred seventy is that? Is that almost a billion? About one point. That's, that's almost a billion, billion. A, a billion dollars. So the the games can be done. It can be, and I I go a bit further. It needs to be done, Oliver. Let me tell you why. Because the Commonwealth is a really interesting institution. It's one the people. Oh, you're smiling, there, Oliver. You don't you don't agree with me? Because it's, it's an institution people want to be part of. The people, you know, someone from your your Lusophone country, from Africa, of, 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 of the, the Portuguese speaking countries, have been trying applied to be part of it because they know it's in their interests. It's in their best interest to come together. And I think that's a really important thing in this world where we've got so much, so much strife, so many issues of war, famine, climate change. What we're talking with each other, the, the better, better off we're going to be to try and manage the future collectively for the planet. And playing games is all is all part of it. Now maybe they've gone over the top here and said what what they put into this game, but no, I think I think someone has to come forward. And, and do something, but oh, you're looking a bit sour there. You don't you think you're not a Commonwealth fan? No, I'm not. Come on, why is that? Okay, what is the Commonwealth? Um, okay, so there are two issues here one is about the cost of the games, um, and why it spirals, and then that speaks to the deeper issue of what the Commonwealth is and why the games, what makes the games relevant or irrelevant, and why are why are people so reticent to come forward? Is it only about the cost? As you said, Birmingham made money, so money can be made out of it, um, but. Who can? Who are the countries that can actually? Uh, 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 Birmingham actually covered their costs. It did. You didn't lose mm. money. There wasn't. A, you know, you weren't, put, you weren't putting the people into hock for seven for, for years to come. And what happens? Many these these multi these multidisciplinary games events, the Olympics. People are in debt for. For decades, so no, they, they made it work. Birmingham made it work. Well, if you if you, if you cover if you host a major event of any type nowadays and you cover your costs, you've made money. You know you haven't lost money, and you know that means that the legacy of the of the of the infrastructure and you know the changes will actually yield money in the future. Will actually yield and its economic value as well as social and cultural value going forward. So if you covered if you covered your costs, you've you know, you've won as far as um, as far as hosting major tournaments um, is concerned. I mean, the costs have spiraled for various reasons, as the um, mayor of the city um, stated. He was very unapologetic about it. You know, he made it clear that he, if his options are hosting a games or paying for schools or hospitals, you know, it's a no-brainer for him what he chooses to to do with his state's money, and um, that's quite that's quite um, under understandable. What is more interesting is um, the reason why they wouldn't have made money out of it. So you need money to make money, but they, um, by whatever projections they came up with, they realize that they're not going to make money out of this. They are going to be at a loss. And that is because a major reason for that is because the Commonwealth Games does not have the same cachet as the Olympics. It does not attract the same sponsorship and it does not attract the same type of you know, um, money flow as the Olympics. And there's a reason for that. And that is because even within the story that the Commonwealth is telling is not the story that the world, including the world of the Commonwealth, necessarily wants to hear in 2023. And that is, what is the relevance, what is the political, social, cultural relevance of this collection of countries, which frankly consists of a colonizer and her ex-previously colonized subjects coming together to celebrate that history of subjugation and reconciliation in inverted um, commas 
going forward. Oh. That is effectively what it is. Look at what all the what what the main conversations are within the Commonwealth um, in recent times. It's about reparation. It's about restitution. It's about um, you know what do we actually get from 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 being a part of this. It's about um, you know countries in the Caribbean um, you know um, asserting their political sovereignty and divesting themselves of association with British royalty. It's about asking for um, stolen artifacts back and not getting it. It's about wanting to apply for visas and not getting any consideration because you're a Commonwealth um, despite the fact of being a Commonwealth citizen. It's about the Windrush scandal and the fact that you are previously um, a colony and a member of the Commonwealth does not protect you um, by the mother country herself of treating you badly. Why should anybody continue to be a part of that collective? No, no, Oli makes some good points there, particularly the point about the Windrush and, and the mother country. But I would argue Britain is a sideshow now. Britain has proved itself not irrelevant, but a sideshow. It's not the main, not the main act in town. And it's what the Commonwealth gives is a group of countries who can share best practice, who can who can be together be a voice that can talk to the rest of the world about the big issues. And the big issue, the number one issue has to be climate change. What's happening in climate change and there's the droughts it's causing, the 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 um the loss of land, you know, literally the country disappearing. The the, the 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 Commonwealth has something to say on that. It has something to say on democracy, on freedom of the press. It has something that has something that, that, that they have that they have in common, that they, that they, that we believe these things and they can share these things and speak as a voice. Now you're going to say, well, they're not an economic voice, but it's, it's not all about economics. Although money is important, there's 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 political growth. There's there's, there's, in, in, there's the strength in numbers. And, there is, and and, and, I, and I would argue, you know, the Commonwealth Games is a manifestation of of the relaxed, almost informality, the way these people are held together. But they have a common interest, a common bond in these things. Now, clearly, I'm not going to say we're. We're all, we're all colonized. That's what keeps us together. That's gone. They're playing republics and they've done their own thing. But the, but it's that it's that unity, and it is something we need today. We need it now more than ever. That the that we the, the world speaks in one voice. Look at the refugee problem now. Every country in Europe and in America have a problem with refugees, and the problem nobody. I've said it many times on Five in the Eye. Nobody escapes to something. They escape from something. They're running away from something. Something dreadful in Afghanistan, in Syria. Some dreadful things happening around the world. This is where the Commonwealth, the United Nations, the European community, these globe, these, 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 these power blocks can come together and try and address these problems. Now, I'm not saying they're going to be, they are the answer, but at least they're going to create the mood music, put some infrastructure and say, try and help. The, to help solve these problems, because the, the other side of it, dismantling these organisations, you know, everyone going their own way, that that leads to total chaos. That that that, that, that is not the future. You know. I don't disagree with you on the fact that there needs to be a collective voice of common interest. I just disagree that the Commonwealth is that vehicle for so doing. And if, as you say, the um, the um, the United Kingdom is a sideshow in that. Then what's the whole? That's the that's the binding force within oh, the Commonwealth. Really? That no, no, no. Platform for the global South no, for the articulation of issues that you have mentioned um, that come from the global South. There needs to be effectively a third force in multilateral. Um, international institutions. I totally agree with that, you know, um, and, you know, the kind of leadership that Mayor Motley um, is providing in you know, addressing or uh, raising issues of um, of climate change and, you know, restitution and reparations and so on is really, really important um, and you know, with migration and so on. It just does not need to be through the Commonwealth. It needs to be, there needs to be a separate platform um, for that. And I think, you know, even the expansion of 
BRICS, you know, um, is in itself um, a manifestation no, no, of no, no, the alternative multilateral voice. All around the BRICS, like Brazil, Russia, Russia. In, India, India, North. China, South what, Africa. What, what, what about Nigeria? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. The expansion of that. But I'm going to say expansion of that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Into another, into an alternative multilateral voice. But I'm going to say we're here now. You know, you're going to say it's not. This is not a great place to start. Maybe I could agree with it a little bit, but it hit, we're here now. Let's go forward together. Let's go forward together and create something, or, or help make the world a better place. And for me, let, you know, letting the letting the organization drop, fall apart. No, that that's that, that's that, it that, fell that, apart that. a long time ago, though, didn't it? In reality, and it's and the fact that there are very few countries in the Commonwealth that can host the games that is the unifying force. Okay, is in itself back. a manifestation cool. of that dereliction of purpose or of relevance of that collective. Only countries in the United Kingdom, Australia, and Canada can probably afford to host the Games now. And they're meant to be, what, 40 countries in the Commonwealth, none of which actually can, no citizen from any of those 40 other countries can apply for visas and automatically get into any of those three countries that I just mentioned, by the way. Oh, you know, oh, so oh, there's oh. a power dynamic, there's an inherent power dynamic in the Commonwealth that skews the political purpose and the relevance of that organization, which is not in tune with the 2023 and beyond reality. And I think this should be a wake-up call, not just for the games, but I think for the entire concept of the Commonwealth. Oh, no, I, I, I agree with you that the way of content of why are we together? And this just reinforces it. And it's not just the games. I have to come back to climate change and yeah. having a voice, when you, you know, a, a unified voice, because, you know, we are together. But you, you, those, those points you made about visas and, and such, a lot, of that, a lot of that stems from Britain itself. Britain, Britain, Britain could do something about that if it wanted to. Maybe it chooses not they to. They want to. Um, this government doesn't want to. The next government that's going to come in is not going to. You know. So what does that say? <laughs> What's that saying? What's that telling us? But but but, 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 but the, the, wants to apologize for slavery or for operations. Oh, no, 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 no. You have to look for leadership elsewhere. Leadership yes. is not going to come from Britain. So you know? that means we should be not in the, the Caribbean. <laughs> the, the leaders in Africa, you know, yeah. or even Canada. Canada is a is a great country doing well. That's a opportunity, opportunity to, to, to take leadership. But look, we're not going to resolve this issue now. But I'm I'm going to do it again. Let's come back to this issue. No, no. <laughs> but this is it ain't going away. But but I'm sure we're we're, we're going back to it again. Want to move on to story number three? Five in the eye. Look, story number three. I've alluded to it several times during discussing the Commonwealth. It's climate change, but it's climate change on our doorstep in Europe. There's a not just a heat wave, that this are, it, it's across Europe. We're talking about temperatures, not, not in the, the high 30s, 35, 40, in the 40s, in, up, up into the mid 40s in some countries, in Italy, part of Turkey and Spain. And it's a real problem. And we've seen this in, in deaths in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in older people, homeless people, arising in, in, uh, in, in admissions to hospital. So this is a real problem, which isn't going to go away. And, which, and when, when you, for me, I, I was, it was always something that happened in the normally we call the third world, in, you know, in the Africas and in the South Americas, distant. But this is on our doorstep. It's on our doorstep now. This climate change is here. You know, and they talk about, you know, be able to grow white wine now or, or red wine, I'm just saying grow wine, grow grapes. Here in, um, in 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 England, as, as a matter of routine, as climate changes, so I, I think we need to do one. We need to recognise this, and two, we need to do something about it. And I think too many people, and I was one of them. I admit, I was one of them. We're not sceptical, but no, that 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 is not my problem. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's somebody else's problem. It's over there. It's not you know. It's not coming near me now. So so I, so I have to say. What am I doing about it? And I challenge myself here. And I have to be upfront. The big things, which are a new boiler and a new car, 
I don't want, okay, I've got rid of my car now for a variety of reasons. We've got one car now. It's uh, one car and it's petrol. You know, are we going to change that for electric in the short term? Mm, don't think so. Are we going to put a new boiler in? Mm, don't think so. You know, because there's no incentives. I want the government to put the hand in the pocket and say, you know, here's a, we'll help you out. But I don't get that coming from the government. You know, so I think this climate change is real. Despite what a lot of people say, or even myself back in the day, so it was not too far away. It, it's here. It's now. What, what about you, love? What, what steps are you taking to save the planet? Um, well, um, I, I like to think that, um, one, I am aware um, of the fact of climate change, which um, is is a tri statement, but it's actually a very, very important first step, you know, recognizing that this is actually an issue, you know, is um is a is a very, very important first step because as it mentions, there are a lot of people and there are a lot of influential people who are in denial about it and are promoting the um that denial and denialism through the very powerful and very much amplified platforms. So I think just being aware of it is actually quite um, quite important. Um, so we need to like deal with this from the macro to the micro. You've mentioned, you know, some of the things that you have been doing or considering. Um, and um, I'm very, very conscious of that myself as well. Um, we've we changed. We've had hybrids. We've had hybrid cars for the last five, six years. Um, we have changed our boiler. We have ensured that the house is insulated. You know, um, whenever my um, we have reduced number of short-term journeys that we take, including I do far more walking than I used to. Um, the children walk to school a lot more than they used to, not all the time, but you know, more than they used to and so on. So active transport um, is something that um, I, you know, um, engaging as much as I possibly, possibly can. But I think more importantly is, you know, challenging, using our platforms and voices to challenge the voices um, of denialism and to actually um, you know, highlight how this is impacting people, impacting lives, and is an existential threat for many people. You know, and to join the to join the dots between you know what people consider to be very monolithic problems. So, the for instance, the migration crisis. You know, um, people crossing in boats to get to the UK. There's going to be a hell of a lot more of that as you know climate change devastates more places. Mm. You know, so, at the moment, what we're seeing more of is the is the spillover of our the consequences of our political interference and military interference resulting in refugee crisis, um, uh, consequences of our economic choices as a, as a, as a country um, on those migration issues. What we will soon see, um, start seeing as well is a lot of people migrating um, as a result of um, climate change as well. We're going to see entire countries disappear if we're not careful because of climate change. We're going to see shorelines um, radically change in the next 50 years because of climate change. We're going to see more heat waves. We're going to see change, changing weathers and changing weathers also means changing cultures and changing social conditions as well, as well as economic conditions. So it's a really big issue. It's probably the number one and probably it's the number one issue of our time um, because of the various ways in which it's going to manifest itself and how it's going to impact on us all. Five in the eye. Moving on to story number four this week. We've got this weekend, there's uh, two blockbusters. Are they being created as blockbusters? The Barbie and Oppenheimer. Now, I, I hadn't heard of either until last week. When I was just You couldn't move on the... 
on the internet and uh, all the uh, the social leading of these the, this two big blockbusters big blockbusters are coming this weekend and which one are you going to see first and it was a you know as someone who doesn't go to the cinema often i was seduced what i've got to know more about this and i checked it out and it seems bob the barbie doll i don't know if you, you're familiar with the barbie doll Although, oh i had one Hold <laughs> steady now, steady. <laughs> and and Oppenheimer, the the, uh, the father of the uh, the atomic bomb, and his his life story on the screen, and it seemed just two two stories, one for boys and one for girls. Now that's a horribly sexist thing to say, isn't it? Yeah. But it's, it it seems for me it seems so easy. No, I'm 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 am I being too simplistic there? Let me turn it around. Were you caught up on this 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 advertising for these two big these these two big films this weekend? Are you, are you planning to going to see either of them? I do not intend to see either of them. No, um, but I do take the point. You know that um, the and I don't think it's nothing. Nothing happens in Hollywood by by accident. You know the industry is too big and too too commercially savvy you not know, to recognize that. That dichotomy in um, in 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 narrative, if nothing else, about those films. So, um, and I think that's very, very unfortunate. You know, um, I don't. Uh, again, competition um, as a bedrock of capitalism is a good thing, but I do think there is a tone deaf. Um, there's a tone deaf sexist um, underlying narrative to this, which um, is very, very unfortunate and is very, very not 2023. You know, who, uh, it's, it's even the colors of the, of the promotions are very, very starkly different. You know, the feminine pink and the masculine darker colors, you know, um, as as will be on billboards or as will be on posters across cinemas, you know, is is unfortunate signaling, and it's not reading too much into it. It's um, it's um, and they might, for we know, they might both be very very good films. Um, the reviews um, both have actually been quite quite interesting. Um, the Barbie film especially seems to have a lot to say um, about the very this very, very issue of sexism and um, you know what is who should be attracted to what. But um no, I'm not going to be seeing either of them, I'm afraid. Oh, no, I'm shocked here, Olive, because these these are these, these big films, they think things about who we are and how or how the world works. So these are cultural statements. About, about, as I say, who we are. Aren't you interested in understanding how we look at the world now? Because these, these are the, the, the Barbie dolls are almost 50 years old now. Oppenheimer's story goes back to even in the 70s, but we look at it in a different way now. We look at Barbie in a different way. This is trying to understand what that means and help us understand our society better, or maybe understand, help us understand each other better. No, you're not. I dare say at some stage I will watch them. Um, it will just not be this weekend. It will not be at the cinema anytime soon because I do not want to feed that hype machine and I do not want to reward um, Hollywood with uh, Hollywood's bad behavior and tone deafness um, in you know, um, feeding that particular marketing monster. You know, I think it's, um, yeah. Um, not not right now. Um, I'm very, very, from a cultural commentary perspective, I'm very, very interested in how people are responding to 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 this and whether the this conversation that we're having matters to people. You know, I'm actually more, I think that tells us far more. The reaction to the action is itself far more telling than the films themselves. You know that tells a lot more about the world. Look at it. This is the 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 man who created death, or Oppenheimer. He saw himself this uh, yeah. Hindu god, and he he created a, a device which killed two hundred thousand people. And now we've got a war going on in in um, Ukraine 
there's a threat of, you know, of, of nuclear weapons around. This must give us some focus because we look at the, the consequences of if, if it does happen and, and enables us to step back and think about these things. So these are important statements in our time now. Help us understand that better. Now, I'm not saying yeah. you, you, you have to well, go see Bobby it. going to help that? Maybe if maybe if the Barbie film, maybe we should rewrite the script of Barbie. Maybe if Barbie and Ken were like secret agents who went back in time to stop Oppenheimer creating the atomic bomb. Now that would be an interesting movie. Hollywood, sign me up now. Five in the eye. But our, for our fifth story this week, it's about a Hong Kong Minister of Health, and he's advising people to stare at those who are smoking in restaurants in restricted areas in restaurants where you're not supposed to smoke. And he's saying that a good stir, a disapproving stir, will sort them out, will stop them smoking. And it got me thinking, no. You know, for me, the nearest I get to that is when people put their feet on the, on the seat and trains. And I, I, occasionally, depending how, if they're young kids, I do give them that luck. But for older people, well, no, you don't even know what's going to come back at you. So I don't know about you, although is, is a stare, does it do anything these days? Is, is it a disapproving stare as such? Does it work? Depends on how scary your stare is. I bet that if my mom sat opposite oh, any yeah. of these people oh, and stared yeah. at them, they would not just stop smoking, they would quit forever. <laughs> oh, no, that's an excellent point. That mother stare that just looks at you, it just, it just shrinks you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's about cultural norms and you know what we what we consider uh, what we consider respect um as well and you know the checks and balances within cultures to um enforce um respect you know in today's society. So if we look culture as um, in Hong Kong, they um, staring can work. Then hey, they should go for it. Um, it might be easier, you know, to just enforce people not smoking where they shouldn't be smoking. Um, I would rather stay. I'll be happier to arrest them myself or kick them out of the restaurant and bar them forever. Oh, yeah, that's physicality. physicality. That's what bouncers are for. You know, that's <laughs> yes, chop them Forget out. The bouncers, you know. <laughs> You know, when I read this story, I was minded. Either that, or they can, they, or I can hire out my mom to the whole world. That might be a way of us making money, actually. Yeah, mom can do that. I was minded when I first read the story of, of my, my hometown, Liverpool. And the most of my started went up somewhere like this. The opening line was, who are you looking at? <laughs> so you, don't, you never look at anybody for too long, because you never know. So there can lead to something quite... Quite difficult to get out of. So no, I, I, I think that's a very, it's a very cultural thing that there's there. Yeah. And it, it's also, as you, at your point, there's an excellent point. Some mothers do we? I don't think dads can stay. Dads, you know, um, too shouty. And, uh, but, but mothers, that look. I can, I can see my mum now. I'm stop. I'm stop. <laughs> 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 yeah. it wasn't me, it wasn't me. <laughs> exactly. Look, uh, look, oh, it's been great having you on the show this week. I really enjoyed it. I, I hope you have too. I have indeed. So look, um, Phil's back next week, and hopefully we'll be uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back in touch in, uh, in a couple of months' time to see how you're getting on at the Africa Centre. And also that checklist of things we're going to review with each other. So until next time, I'm going to say goodbye. And for you listening, thanks for listening. And if you have been, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?